Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. Well, we got some college football coming down the pipeline. I will be happy to be talking about football this season. Pac-12's got some big games. Utah is going to Florida. They're going to Gainesville in the opening week. Oregon's going to Atlanta to play Georgia. Oregon State is home against Boise State. I will be in Atlanta with the Ducks with us now to talk about football Merton Hanks, Pac-12 Associate Commissioner, former 49er, joining us. How are you, Merton? How's everything, John? Going well, man. I, I am, I'm excited to have some games be, you know, so we have something to talk about besides what college football is going to look look like. What has it been like for you? You're the, you're the guy in charge of football, and I don't think there's been enough talk about football. We need to get back to it. Well, I can't uh, agree with you more. Basically, it's business as usual from a, football operations standpoint. We're, we're getting ready for the season, uh, uh, doing our last uh, checks, as I like to say, uh, making sure we're all set and ready to go. Give us an idea, uh, you know, in the off season when last year ends, what, you know, do you have a, a to-do list that you create? Do you guys sit down and say, okay, these are some areas we really want to focus on? And if so, what is on that list in the off season? Well, we, we, we're always working on officiating. That's, uh, that's, there basically is no off-season officiating. We're, we're either grading or, or, or upgrading our, our training, uh, uh, upgrading our roster. Uh, so that's a, that's a 12-month-a-year uh, proposition uh, as we go along, really looking forward to the group we have getting uh, uh, back out on the field uh, and, and certainly believe we're ready to go there. And then, as you know, John, on a, on a national level, there are just so many uh, 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 rules, regulations, bylaws that need review. Uh, do we want to continue uh, uh, with these things from a health and safety standpoint, uh, blocking below the waist, uh, being uh, effectively outlawed through uh, many people's efforts coming through the Football Oversight Committee, uh, we, we spend a lot of time uh, in those areas as well. And then finally, uh, uh, taking a look at the future uh, from a scheduling standpoint uh, uh, on the NCAA level for our fans. Uh, many games are scheduled many years out, but, but, but uh, as you're getting ready to put together 2023's football schedule for the Pac-12, uh, uh, you've you got to take some things into account who needs to play where, by weeks, that type of thing. So always something to do in the football operations space. Give me an idea on scheduling. Let's talk about conference scheduling. Has there been a shift of mindset or discussion about how many conference games the Pac-12 should be playing relative you know, to other conferences, or where do you stand on that? Well, uh, my, my personal opinion is we've, we've never wavered, and when I say we, myself and the commissioner, uh, George Kwiatkow, We've never wavered on the thought of getting to eight conference uh, uh, games. I know uh, my football coaches in the Pac-12 support getting to eight, and we just need to uh, effectively find a partner to do that. Uh, obviously, with the landscape uh, changing the way it is in regard to conference uh, realignment, that may be difficult to get done, but that we've, we've never backed off of that position. 
Why eight? Why why is eight the right number in your mind? Well, I, I think uh, uh, our our friends in, in other conferences will quickly realize that when you're playing nine conference games, and and look, uh, uh, as much as our fans like to beat up on the opposition, uh, everyone's pretty good in our league <laughs> on yeah. a certain level. Everyone has great coaching. Everyone's got uh, good to great student athletes, and it's difficult to get through a nine-game schedule unscathed. Uh, I mean, when's the last time we've had a Pac-12 team playing a nine-game schedule undefeated? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's happened. If it has, I don't, I don't know it off the top of my head. So it's, it's a difficult proposition, especially in, in the era of the CFP, where if you lose two games, you're effectively out of the running for CFP invitation. So uh, it, it makes it a little bit tougher to get done. Yeah, I go back to Oregon, I believe, is the last team to have a conference season where they went undefeated. That was back in 2010, undefeated in the regular season, but uh, really difficult to do, and you're right. And it puts a lot of pressure on the teams because, let's use Utah as an example, they got to go to Gainesville, play an SEC team. I like Utah to win that game. It would be a great win for the conference, but they sort of have to win it given the makeup of the conference schedule right now because otherwise you're facing a season where you you know you can't have another hiccup well it's and you hit it right on the head you want look if you're going to lose you want quality losses you know you want close games that type of game against teams that are perceived to be strong teams in a given year uh i just think it's so difficult you know coming back to your original uh question of nine games versus eight games and why we would prefer eight. I think we want to give ourselves a better opportunity for CFP invitations and probably schedule accordingly in that respect. Give me an idea of how soon you could get to eight. Could this happen as soon as next season, or what are we talking about? How hard is it? It's difficult because you need to find a partner to kind of get you there because if you're taking away a conference game, you need to make sure the game you're replacing with from a value proposition, makes sense, and it's not just one of two things. You're doing it for the entire conference, so you really need you really need a partner to get that done. So we we continue uh, uh, to have conversations, and, and we'll see what happens in the future with with some of our peer conferences. Merton Hanks is with us, former 49er great, now the associate commissioner of the Pac-12 conference. From a football standpoint, you know I, George Kliofkov came in and very quickly said. We, you know, to the universities, hey, we want an investment in football. Have you seen an investment in football from the members? Absolutely. Uh, uh, when you look at uh, look, uh, our, all of our coaches coming in from Lincoln Riley, we all can agree that was a significant investment by USC. The coach DeBoer up at University of Washington, uh, uh, keeping Coach Dickard at Washington State, I believe, was important for uh, AD Pat Chun. Uh, we we've got. Some, some folks that are, are showing the tangible commitment uh, by the institutions. Uh, when you, and when you say those folks, it's not just the head coach. It's their support staff. It's their assistant coaches. It's administration. Uh, 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 all of those things align, and quite frankly, they all cost money. And so we're, we're seeing uh, certainly the investment on the institution level and, and I have to give the conference office credit, uh, uh, certainly in year two for me. Uh, I, I went to uh, uh, certainly then uh, Commissioner Larry Scott and then uh, uh, Commissioner Cleofkoff and said, look, we need to invest uh, in football. 
here at the conference office, and, and they've allowed me to do that. So uh, no question in my mind the Pac-12 is fully invested in the football space uh, and looking forward to seeing some of the dividends and wins this year and beyond. Yeah, last season it was tough. Uh, you know, I think you'd be the first to say the non-conference record was not good. It was historically bad. The bowl season was bad. What reason do fans have to expect that the football this year will be more competitive? I, 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 you said it best, and it's not lost, certainly, on our institutions. Uh, um, it simply just was not a good year uh, this past year for us. I, I think the records are obvious in that respect. I think that our coaches and our student-athletes have a lot of pride. I've, I've seen the quotes from uh, uh, players from, from Oregon State, for instance, uh, a young office lineman just lamenting uh, that he just didn't feel like he put forth his best effort in the L.A. Bowl, for instance, to uh, our, our seasoned coaches and, and, and Stanford coach David, as I call him, <laughs> David Shaw yeah. over at Stanford, you know, feel like uh, I think he said the media day, look, I'm just feeling like a tiger just kind of waiting in the weeds because he knows that last year wasn't the best year for the Cardinals, and, and they know they can show and be better. So I, I expect all of our institutions kind of have that, uh, 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 that that feeling, that that fight, and not just our institutions, our student-athletes. We are a better conference than what we showed this past year, and I look forward to, quite frankly, having uh, that taint removed with the games coming up this year. Merton Hanks is with us. He is associate commissioner in the Pac-12 Conference, former 49er great, uh, number 36 in your program, uh, number one in your heart, all that. Merton, what has it been like for you and maybe for others working in the conference office, the distraction, the noise, the conference realignment, USC, UCLA, all that stuff going on while you're trying to do your job? Well, I think it's tough. I think that, uh, uh, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. It's a, it's a difficult deal. Uh, uh, when uh, uh, you see uh, longtime friends uh, and colleagues and, and conference mates uh, uh, getting ready to depart in, in two years' time in our L.A. school. So, uh, you know, we want to make sure that the student-athletes, the coaches, everyone associated uh, with those institutions uh, uh, understand that from a football operation standpoint, we are going to make sure and do everything possible to make sure those student-athletes just have a great experience and, and understand what it means to play in the Pac-12 and, and, and come out of that experience really feeling good about it. Uh, uh, I, can, I can relate to my time, ironically, as a, as a, uh, a Big Ten student-athlete at the University of Iowa, and, and I look back, and now that i got a little gray on, in my hair and a little older, I look back at those times, and I really appreciated the effort uh, uh, that University of Iowa AD, coaches, staff, and, and, and fans, put in, in making sure my experience was a great one. So we, we know how to do it, and, and that's what we'll be focused on this year. Merton, you know, you mentioned Iowa and you were there, and I think, you know, you look at athletes today, and I talked to a lot of the players there. I think they are um, they're pleased that they have more options and more control over their eligibility and name, image, likeness, and the portal and all that. But it's awfully complicated, too. I wonder, as a guy who's played at a high level, who's been in a college system, had a great experience as a college player, would you have rather been in the system you were in back in the day where that was more stable? Or do you look at what the players are doing today and you go, hey, you know, it would be fun to have had the flexibility and the options? I, 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 I laugh. It, it reminds me of 
of uh, and this, I've got my professional hat on for a second, John. So indulge me here. <laughs> okay. It reminds me of when I was at the 49ers and and uh, at one point in my career, for the briefest of moments, I was the highest paid safety in the NFL uh, uh, before the next contract comes up. And and I remember having a previous generation NFL player uh, uh, talk about, man, you guys are you guys are just making all the money and. You know, we have to work two and three jobs and still play football and those type of things. <laughs> so that's how I look at today's players. Oh, my goodness. Uh, name, image, and likeness has opened up a, 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 a system, quite frankly, in which they can capitalize uh, on their athletic achievements and, quite frankly, their partnerships uh, with the universities. I, I do think it's a difficult uh, row to hope uh, 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 being that young is, if you can remember when you were, you know, 16, 17, 18, oh, coming into a, a collegiate season and, and, and having to make, you know, it, it, those type of decisions. And for our fans, I, the best way to equate it is uh, I, I look back on my days as a rookie coming into the 49ers. You've got to make decisions like you're 65, 66, 67 years old. You better have your will ready. You better have your trust ready. You've got to have a lawyer, accountant, all of these things, right? Uh, 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 to give you hopefully sound advice on what direction you should go. So you've got all of these student athletes making these very adult decisions. And when, quite frankly, they're still young men and women. Um, in many ways, I don't envy their position uh, uh, because I, I, I was one of those people who needed to grow up a little bit uh, 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 in this world, unfortunately, in NIL space, makes you grow up. Uh, immediately, and uh, it, it's, it's a tough bit for some of our student-athletes. It just simply is. Yeah, it takes an incredible amount of maturity, I think, for, from asking a lot of young people. Merton Hanks is with us, Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler. Put your football helmet on for a second. You had your executive hat on. Put your football helmet on. Give me an idea. A guy that uh, maybe uh, – do, do you still have football dreams? Do you, do you have dreams where the ball's in the air or – you know, uh, Christian Okoye is coming around the corner, and you got to tackle him. Or, you know, does Merton Hanks have football dreams? Uh, ironically, around the beginning of every season, I do, and then it wears off. <laughs> <laughs> about the about the beginning of the year, and, and I think uh, any not just football, anybody that plays any sport for any length of time will tell you this: your body starts acting up a certain time of year because you're used <laughs> to being on that workout cycle, and yeah. and it's like, ooh, it's it's you know. For me, it was May, June, like, okay, I always try to stay in some type of shape, but, you know, you kind of have to take it up another notch. And, you know, I'm, I'm popping up at 2 and 3 in the morning and can't go back to sleep because, you know, you, you, you're, you're ramping yourself up for the season. So I still get a bit of that from time to time. Yeah, you played a long time. I mean, when you look at your career, you come into the league in 91, you you leave it almost in 2000. I mean, that is a long run. It's, it's top you know, 3% of players for the duration that you played. Um, what, how did you know it was time to go? Uh, I, I'd say this about any, any athlete. There's no athlete that actually gets tired of playing. They just physically can't get to the spots they need to get to uh, on the field. Um, I, I remember having a great conversation with uh, uh, Washington State great Drew Bledsoe. Uh, uh, and, and that guy, uh, he can throw the football now. And, and can throw the football today, but 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 just physically can't get to uh, uh, certain spots, can't put the ball 
perhaps in the spots that he would like to put them in as well as he could, say, you know, a few years earlier. So every every athlete, uh, I think of whether it be football, and, and look, I, I played with some of the most uh, physically uh, intense folks in regard to working out ever. I, I was looking at, uh, I was at recently at Brian Young, defensive tackle for the 49ers, just winning the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I went back to Canton to support him this year. Uh, uh, running to my good friend Terrell Owens, who is in phenomenal shape. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous how good a shape this guy is in. Uh, 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 he's almost an anomaly. The rest of us are fighting off pot bellies and and and, and, and trying to uh, make sure that we're moving around okay. Bottom line, uh, certainly as a defensive back, and, and I would say this, John, for defensive players. If you're an offensive player, it's probably easier for you to eke out a little bit more time in the National mm-hmm. Football League because you know where you're going in respect to the snap count, routes, that type of thing. A defensive player is always re- reacting, and in my case, you're backing up, and then you're reacting coming up. So yeah. the, minute a defensive, the minute a defensive back understands that he can't get to the spots where he's supposed to be, uh, whether it's lateral quickness or just out and out speed, it's, it's time to shut it down because you can't. At that point, you can't effectively play anymore. We've uh, had uh, yeah, we, we had a, we had Alex Molden on the show a few times, and I know you know him. And and he oh, he yeah. kind of he kind of commented that it was draft night, and he texted me and he said, you know, it's draft night, and it's great. These guys' dreams are coming true. And he goes, but there's a whole bunch of veterans on these teams who are going, oh crap, they just picked somebody at my position. Oh oh. I, uh, <laughs> One of the great things, uh, part of my, uh, when I was at the National Football League and, and I would work with the colleges and go and speak and, and, and to the teams and so on and so forth, that would be the first thing I would say to them. I would tell them to look around the room. Uh, uh, here, I'll give you a great example. Uh, uh, Bob Stoops, when he was at the University of Oklahoma, for the fans, uh, you may not understand, Oklahoma used to be the University of Iowa South. When Bob Stoops was there, because he was a GA under Hayden Fry at the University of Iowa, when he got the job at OU, he took a bunch of coaches that either played at or coached at Iowa. At one point, you couldn't get on the University of Oklahoma's uh, uh, coaching tree as part of their staff unless you spent time at Iowa. That that was just a fact. So I would come in and, and speak. Uh, obviously, I played at Iowa. Bob was my GA uh, at the time at Iowa. And, and I'm, I'm going to show my age here. I had Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. in the uh, in, in the audience as a running back, and Sam Bradford, I believe. Sam was number one overall at the quarterback position, if I remember correctly. And so I'm telling these guys, look, look around. You never worry about the people who are already in the room. You worry about the people that they're recruiting to replace you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's the mentality. Uh, whether it's in the collegiate level or on the professional level. There's, this is, as I like to say, this is America. There's enough talent here. Uh, and our coaches and our recruiting coordinators and directors, they're good enough to go find it. So you always want to be playing your best, uh, perform your best, whether it's in the classroom or on the field, because let's face it, they're looking to replace you at some point. So, so understand that. And, and that's just the reality of all sports, not just football. Merton Hanks is with us, former 49er, Seattle Seahawk, uh, currently the senior associate commissioner in charge of football for the Pac-12 Conference. You mentioned officiating off the top of the interview. Um, what 
steps, what are the big steps that you can take? And I watched it in the spring game. I watched the officials work a little bit. They were doing in the spring games. They were all kind of working on, you know, rule changes and being in the right position. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a fascinating study of the officiating. But what can you do outside of that training? Can you recruit from other conferences? Can you steal, co- you know, good officials from the other Power Five conferences? What do you do? Well, one of one of the things we we do, and really every every uh, certainly every major conference does, is we want to build a credible pipeline uh, of talent that we're training. We work not only with other conferences, but with the National Football League directly uh, in training because a lot of our mechanics are similar in that respect. That's why the National Football League is always coming to the Pac-12 to steal, as I like to say, to steal one of my officials to come work for them. I, I just lost another one to the National Football League and Max Cosby this past year. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, we're always looking, as I, as I like to say, I'm in the talent acquisition business, John. I'm always looking for the best people everywhere, whether it's the center judge, the referee, wears the white hat, the back judge. And so we, we do a very extensive uh, review of where everyone is, uh, compare them to others that uh, we've been training and getting them ready to go, and then if we have a slot available for them, we'll, we'll give them, we'll bring them up, and give them a chance to uh, 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 get on the field for us as Pac-12 officials. One Martin, of the things that we also yeah, did this year, just so you know, the uh, especially coming out of COVID, we were finally ready to uh, work together in person more than we were able to, you know, a year, year and a half ago. So I expect us to do very well this year. Merton, before I cut you loose, you got a lot of fans who are anxious about, you know, will there be a Pac-12 conference? What do you say to your friends who say that to you? Oh, I, I think that uh, the commissioner has, 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 has uh, stated rightly that uh, we've got some, quite frankly, some coveted institutions, some coveted markets, uh, um, our institutions that have shown us certainly that they are together, and we're in the midst of uh, media rights negotiations, so... My role in this is, as I, as I uh, shared with the commissioner, uh, your role is that, and my role is, is to make sure from the football operations standpoint that things come off as they normally should, nice and smooth, and away we go. So that's how I'm approaching the season, and, and I'm more than certain that we'll, we'll have a great outcome for the Pac-12 moving forward. Yeah, yeah. no division, so it'll be one versus two, is that right, in Vegas? Yes, we wanted our two best teams. It was it was it was really odd, John. We were looking, you know, historically, obviously with divisions, you're so used to the division win, winner and assuming that's your best team. When you start looking at the records and, and CLP rankings and so on and so forth, uh, there was a great percentage of the time that you could make an argument that we didn't have our two best teams from a CFP invitation standpoint in our championship game. So we wanted to alleviate that and give those two teams that make it to our football championship every structural opportunity uh, to make the CFP. So we're, we're, we're proud of being the first conference uh, to uh, change the rule on that and, and really being, quite frankly, instrumental in getting the rule changed just for that purpose. Merton, uh, week one, I will be in Atlanta for Oregon, Georgia. I know Utah's got a big game. Do you go on the road, or do you do you sit in the control center and watch them all? Uh, both. Uh, I tend to, early on, uh, I tend to either uh, be in the consent man center or I'll be somewhere where I can watch all the games um, just because things pop up <laughs> during games that you need to be able to attend to. And sometimes when you go to one game, 
you may be in between walking somewhere and, and miss an important call or text or something happened, and you may miss it too. Uh, I'll, I'll certainly get out for a number of games, but I, um, I'm not at all of them because I really do need to see what's yeah. going on everywhere. Week one, will you be at a con- command center or are you going somewhere? I haven't made a decision on that one yet. I may pop up at, at a game or I may be in San Francisco. I'll make the call on that for okay. sure. I really appreciate your time, Merton. Thank you for enlightening us and uh, entertaining us. I appreciate you. We'll get you back on at another point. I appreciate you, John. Have a good one now. All right. There's Merton Hanks. He is the Pac-12 Associate Commissioner. He's in charge of football, the actual football. If you're just tuning in, I thought he dropped a little nugget there. Uh, he, he mentioned the Pac-12 scheduling-wise trying to get and being committed to getting down uh, to eight conference games in a schedule in a regular season. Uh, there's some obvious reasons you'd do that. Um, you, you don't cannibalize your own conference. He also mentioned that the Pac-12 would need a partner to do that. Think loose partnership and the ACC. They're the only conference that could make that come true. I think Merton Hanks knows something that we don't. I want you to leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I think it was a really interesting interview with Merton Hanks, the head of football for the Pac-12 Conference. Let's get let's uh, drill down a little bit on this, if we can, in this segment. By the way, if you're just tuning in, uh, Merton Hanks joined us. Uh, I wrote today, this morning at johnconzano.com, about Dan Lanning. Little Daniel Lanning, Oregon Ducks football coach. I talked to his father, Don. I talked to his mother, Janice, uh, for a long stretch earlier this week. They're in rural Missouri. And I got to tell you, if you want an entertaining read, if you are interested in knowing who Dan Lanning is and whether or not this guy is going to win at Oregon, give it a read at johnconzano.com. And oh, stick around in about 10 minutes, Don Lanning, Dan's dad, will be joining us on the show. Probably from his front porch, maybe sipping tea or lemonade. I mean, literally, a Ford F-150 pickup truck and a ranch and uh, it, really a really fun story to write. It was a fun column to write. They're not all fun to write. I've been sick of writing about realignment and the Pac-12 and what are they going to do and all the speculation out there. And, you know, the sources I'm talking with are saying, hey, man, that's, that's all just noise. It's speculation. And, you know, you know, conference feels like it's galvanized. I needed a break from it, and I got it in rural Missouri. The photos alone are worth your time. Go to johnconzano.com. If you want to subscribe, get a free subscription, get a paid subscription, whatever works for you. It'll get delivered to your email inbox every morning, uh, tidy and wrapped in a bow. But Don Landing coming up top of the hour. All right, let's talk about what Merton Hanks said. First of all, guys, I think he let it slip that the Pac-12 is pursuing this partnership with the ACC. It's the only conference that could pull off a crossover game. You go to eight games. We go to eight games. That ninth game will be a crossover game brought to you by ESPN. feels to me like that's the direction this is going. 
And I don't think it was accidental. I think Merton Hanks knew he was putting that out there. Yeah, and he talked about just how tough it is to win in the Pac-12 going to feed. It's happened one time since they went to nine games, and that was Oregon uh, back in 2010 when they made the national title game. So I think you're right. He kind of, you know, I don't know if he let it out on purpose or it slipped, but it really sounded like they're uh, they're leaning towards that way because if you get rid of one conference game, you got to have enough value to match it, right? And the only way you're going to do that is the ACC. So I think I think yeah, I think you're right on there with that, John. I also think, you know, he talked about officiating, and I think important it's important for this conference to have a decent non-conference record. They were abysmal a year ago. It was historically bad. They have to be better. Or, you know, all that talk out there about how the Pac-12 is dead, it's disintegrating, it's splintering. Uh, it's hard to not acknowledge it as somewhat valid if they're not competitive on the football field. I want you to leave it here. Our big splash coming up. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.